Taste buds, you may forget what happened three seasons ago on that show everyone's talking about, but you will never forget a delicious BLT made with unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise. Slather it onto a mouth-watering turkey club. Mix it into a luscious garlic aioli or layer it on a thick cheddar cheeseburger. And because of that unforgettable creaminess, hours later, you're going to be telling everyone within earshot how good it was. Try something new. Try unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise and the new Heinz mashups. Mayo chup, mayo Q, mayo must. And crunch. Hungry homies, today's House of Carbs brought to us by our terrific friends at Vital Farms. Cage-free eggs. It sure does sound nice, but did you know that a cage-free hen only gets about one square foot of space? At Vital Farms, on the other hand, all the hens are pasture-raised with at least 108 square feet per hen and outdoor access all year round. Those are happy hens. Vital Farms, pasture-raised, bullshit-free. Look for them in the black carton at the grocery store. Visit vitalfarms.com slash coupon for a special discount. Today's House of Carbs also brought to us by a movie that is in theaters as we speak, Super Size Me 2, holy chicken! In the 15 years since the original, the OG, Super Size Me, the fast food industry has undergone a makeover. Today, chain restaurants tout food that's healthy and organic. Filmmaker Morgan Spurlock explores this new reality with an approach even more immersive than that used in the original. He sets out to open his own chicken fast food franchise. Super Size Me 2, holy chicken, is now in theaters and on digital, rated PG-13 for brief, strong language. Taste buds, dinner should never be boring. You know this. That's why old El Paso never stops bringing the fun of taco night to your home. They believe taco night is the one meal that gets everyone excited to come to the table, even the pickiest seven-year-old. Old El Paso has even designed their shells in soft tortilla bowls to stand on their own, leaving more time for talking and filling and less time worrying about mess and spilling. Old El Paso, grab the yellow box. My taste buds, my culinary comrades, my hungry homies, my food friends. We've done it. We're back. It is another delicious edition of House of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your hungry host, Joe House. It is time. We're overdue, my taste buds, for some food news. Very special guests. This week, the Ringer's own Liz Kelly is here to lead us on a delicious path of brand new stories in the world of food. Let's get in that belly with Liz Kelly.
All right, my taste buds, you know how we do it here at House of Carbs. It's been a little while since we've checked in on the news, all of the latest developments since this summer. We were lucky to get the chief. Craig Gaines came on and we went through a bunch of stories. But, you know, the seasons are turning and the stories are as well. We have a very exciting late summer, early fall edition of Food News and a very special guest for this edition of Food News. She is the co-host of the Tea Time podcast. She is co-host of the Four Realsies podcast featuring the pod daughter, Zoe Simmons. You may recognize the dulcet tones of her melodious voice on a whole variety of ringer podcast promotions and information liz kelly what's happening house how do i even respond to that intro i have never been so honored to be on a podcast ever in my whole life liz kelly that's it's just your bio i mean that's the life that that you lead over there at the ringer in, in addition to running everything wow and in fact it, it is that that role of you running everything over there that that makes this uh, an overdue moment for us to be connected here because we'll, we'll just share this with all the hungry homies out there. You and I collaborate on every single outside food interest that comes to the ringer and says, hey, we think we'd like to uh, have a little bit of an appearance, a little flavor with the House of Carbs folks, you and I collaborate on all of those. Mm-hmm. Now let's let's tell all of our culinary comrades, Liz Kelly. I'm gonna put it to you in the form of a question. Have I ever said no to any one of our food friends? Literally not one single time. I do this for a couple other shows and I can always rely on you, Joe House, to have like 10,000 exclamation marks, all caps, a lot of O's, a lot of A's. You have never said no one single time. Now I, we should just just as a way of uh, establishing for all the hungry homies out there. While it, well, when in the food realm, obviously, I'm saying yes to anybody mm-hmm. that wants to have anything to do with this show. I think I have said no to one or two other folks out there from different walks of life. I I the only one that really comes to mind, Liz Kelly, is is a hair restoration product, <laughs> and it just felt. Just felt a little too on the nose. You know what I mean? House, you don't need that stuff. They need you, but you don't need them. That's 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 why that's why you're here. I mean, honestly. Flattery will get you everywhere. Yeah. We have some unbelievable stories. I saw the rundown, but I wanted you to choose. Um, let's start talking about some food stories. Okay, great. First one, we're starting small. This is small beans, petty crime. Comes from Fox News. Ready? I'm listening. Okay. Duncan thief fails to open register, flees with five to six donuts instead. Okay. Police in New York City are asking for the public's help in identifying a man who attempted to rob the cash register at a Duncan in Manhattan's East Village, only to give up and grab a few donuts before fleeing. So he didn't get any money. He only got five to six donuts, which is what, four, four and a half dollars? Just five dollars. Yeah. So... You need more I info? I kind of understand that hustle. I kind of <laughs> get it. Uh, House. I wish. You could put a donut. I wish he didn't. Tr- you could put a donut on each <laughs> one of your fingers and make out with 10 donuts. The fact that he only got five is a travesty. Well, the fact that he was in there now like, failing to, to crack the safe, failing to get into the cash register in the first place means the clock is ticking. True. 
So he, I, I it was literally like a uh, a donut smashing grab. It feels like. Um, I wish that he didn't steal donuts though, because it feels like Dunkin' Donuts. If you if you make the case that you're in in need in a position of need, mm-hmm. part of the beauty of the Dunkin' Donuts experience it is communal. If you were genuinely hungry, I think you could walk up to pretty much anybody inside of Dunkin' Donuts and say, would you please buy me four or five donuts? And I bet there's like a 60% hit rate. What do you think about that? I think you're right. And his also his other problem was he says the suspect entered the Dunkin' location just after 9.30 a.m. on September 12th. 9.30 a.m. is prime coffee donut time. So not only was that like location probably super crowded, a lot of hungry people. That's probably why he was extra stressed, couldn't get into the cash register, panicked, and then fled. Yeah, this it doesn't seem like this um, robbery suspect uh, really, really thought through this, this particular crime. <laughs> That's going to be my, my polite take on that one. Yeah. Also, an important note, it says before fleeing, the subject punched a 38 year old employee who attempted to intervene. Get this guy, all of these stakes are so low. Five to six donuts, low stakes. Punching someone. If you're going to rob a Dunkin' Donuts, see it all the way through. I want to see a knife. I want to see some dangerous. To punch a Dunkin' Donuts employee is just unnecessary. Well, just to be clear, we here at House of Carbs don't condone robbery <laughs> of any such, such I variety. Suppose, and we yes. definitely don't want include, we don't condone violent robbery, Liz Kelly, but. I will. I, I, I'm obviously on your side in, just, in terms of, you know, I, I think this guy just chose poorly. Like, agreed. He, you know, agreed. Also, I'm just I, he trying, to, I'm it's just trying pro- to get- It's got to be the case he was under the influence of something, right? At 930 in the morning? He's an underachiever. That's what he is. For sure. Also, I'm just trying to give you <laughs> exciting news. This feels like I wanted to start off small so that we could like escalate Great. as we go on. All right. Let's move up. Okay, this one, I'm actually particularly interested in your input because you are a father, correct? I am. Okay, great. So this is, um, let's see where this is from, CBS New York. He might even be my kid. <laughs> okay. Okay, so important father input is needed for this next article. So according to CBS New York, it says, New York City is considering a ban on chocolate milk in schools. So it's obviously a lunch staple, but soon it could be a thing of the past. It says the Department of Education is reportedly considering a ban on chocolate milk in city schools. Uh, It's actually nothing new. Back in 2006, when city public schools banned whole milk, it was briefly considered uh, to also make a ban on flavored milk because of the high content of sugar. I think chocolate milk is one of the best um, beverages in the world. And I feel like taking that joy away from small children um, is unfortunate and we should avoid it. (laughs) Well, I have a couple wrinkles for you. In the first place, my kid um, is allergic to milk. So he drinks, he drinks a dairy alternative and we get calcium in him (laughs) in a different way. But I think at the guts of this story, um, there is a, a tension between the most effective way of delivering calcium to young folks versus the enormous sugar content in, in chocolate milk. Now, you hit on an important attribute that chocolate milk possesses, which is uh, uh, adap- adaptability, adoption. Mm-hmm. People want to drink chocolate milk. Kids love to drink chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. And so if there is, uh, you know, any kind of measurable health benefit to the chocolate milk. And it feels like you ought to keep it around. 
but I don't know, you know, if there are other ways for these kids to get calcium in their diets. I agree. And I accept that answer. So some info, it says chocolate milk has about 10 grams more sugar than regular milk and children should limit their sugar intake to about 25 grams. So that's fine. And also you were right. There's this big issue about children eating too much sugar. The next paragraph says, according to the Department of Health, four in every 10 elementary school children are overweight or obese. So understand the thinking of it. Um, But I believe we should cut out cookies or chips in the cafeteria. I think chocolate milk just provides a little bit more joy than regular milk and the added sugar should be, you know, taken out in other food items in a school lunch. Yeah, I do appreciate, and this has occurred um, during our lifetime, Liz Kelly, the attention that has been paid to um, upgrading the school lunch and, and making it something that is nourishing. I mean, the food science has really developed over the last couple decades. And, you know, in back in my day, a hot dog and a Coke was like a, you know, a, a, not only a daily occurrence, but, you know, um, supposed to be sufficient for, for the whole day, plus whatever athletic activities mm-hmm. I might have going on afterwards. And I'm glad that we've all gotten a little bit smarter that that's probably not enough in terms of the, the, the dietary input yeah, I was gonna, um, during the day. Yes. I was, was going to ask, what does your average meal, school meal now look like for your kid? Obviously, we got plant-based milk, not regular milk. And then what else? Um, so he brings his lunch in. Okay. Um, we make it at home, but he, he has carrots. He has uh, an applesauce pouch in there. Nice. He gets a um, little container of almond milk-based chocolate pudding. So Ooh. we're not against. We we like the idea of giving him something that that you know entices, that awakens the the taste buds. A little sugar in there, and then we we cook up uh, chicken tenders, and you know there he has a, a delicious. Uh, now they they end up being kind of room temperature ish by the time he's <laughs> a, we, we can't serve him hot, but it's a you know either that or a couple of turkey slices. That sounds like a really good lunch, and also definitely not too much sugar. I feel like he could throw in like a chocolate almond milk or some like you know chocolate soy milk, and it wouldn't harm him. Too I much. mean, he's a little funny. He hasn't really taken to uh, chocolate quite yet. He, his, his taste buds are still developing. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, he likes it fine. He just doesn't go bananas for it. Okay, you know he'll learn. I mean? He's yeah. not over the moon for the chocolate flavor yeah, stuff. Yeah, he'll learn. Okay, so you are in favor of banning chocolate milk? Is that what we're getting from this article? Well, I, I think if, if you know, in the uh, esteemed judgment of the school officials, if there <laughs> are alternative ways for these kids to get calcium into their diets mm-hmm. that doesn't require the chocolate milk. But, I I mean— it, I do regret missing out for these kids on something that is an elemental part of a, our childhood, Liz, which was, you know, the, the chocolate milk had kind of a nourishing effect, an, uh, a, a psychological effect that's different from just basic like going into school and having it. It oftentimes was kind of a sneaky treat because, you know, you weren't yeah. always drinking chocolate milk at home. When mm-hmm. you're at home, your parents are monitoring and so you, you're not having it. And, you know, it also does, um, it shared the other aspect of that psychological profile. It did feel a little bit like home. It was a connection to home. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't like, a, a, 
it was a way of of connecting the homeschool kind of relationship. Maybe I'm taking that all too wow, far. Wow, how sure. so poetic. Kyle and I are just in awe staring at each other over here. You really know how to sell it. <laughs> okay, you ready for the next one? Let's talk. Okay, so this one is completely shifting gears, but um, it's a little bit more entertaining, okay? So this is from Fox News. It says, a library book was returned with full taco shoved between its pages. So a bizarre image recently went viral showing a taco smashed inside of a library book. And the photographer didn't know how the taco ended up in the book, but joked that it had been used as a bookmark. So this woman, Amanda May, tweeted this, and her tweet was, don't have a bookmark? Try using a taco. And this is an actual photo of an actual book found in the book drop at my library in Indiana a few years back. House, if you click into this article, or I can describe it for your listeners, it is a fully stacked taco. I see cheese. I see meat. I see maybe some avocado spread smushed as if it's like a papyrus into the pages of this book. Liz Kelly, I clicked it open. Okay. I'm looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. I just want all our culinary comrades. We started this thing off with, with kind of a lightweight kind of... Uh, <laughs> low impact burglary story. Uh -huh. What we're looking, I'm looking at right now, Liz Kelly, is a goddamn full felony. <laughs> this is a crime. A crime has been committed. But to uh, who? Liz. Yeah. Who is at fault here? The woman renting the book or the person who put the taco in the book? Obviously the taco inserter. <laughs> like, the, it's, and that person's not just a taco inserter. They're a taco deserter. <laughs> and that is a crime against humanity. Now, I, I far be it from me to get up on a high horse and, and act like I've never taken a food item and used it to hold my place in a whole variety <laughs> of different uh, 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 walks of life. Mm -hmm. But I'll be gosh darn if I ever abandoned that delicious item. This is a full-on... Uh, abandonment. This is an AWOL taco, Liz. I, is, I can't believe it. It's damning, the evidence. There has not been a single bite taken out of this taco. It looks like it was recently made because the cheese is like pretty melted inside of the pages. I don't understand the mindset in which like if you had fully prepared, it looks like it was maybe baked in an oven. Put it in your place. That was obviously your meal or like a hearty snack for you to be reading in the middle of this book. To forget about a taco and then forget about it for so long that you return the book and all these months later someone finds it is incomprehensible to me. I'm right there with you. It it seems honestly like not really physically possible. <laughs> like you didn't smell it. You couldn't feel that the book was like slightly uh, uh, ajar, slightly right. askew. The pages weren't all touching when you carried it back to the library. I mean, I wonder if it was uh, possibly a kind of civil disobedience gesture. Maybe this mm. person had an axe to grind with the library. Maybe this person didn't like the book. Uh, it looks like, uh, I, I can't see, it looks like from the picture there might be some poetry on the page. <laughs> it does, it's it looks like, like a, a sonnet. <laughs> yeah, maybe this person, may, you know what? And 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 let's try and be generous. We're always uh, trying to be thoughtful here at House of Carbs. What if it was this person's homage to the to the to the story? I can't click. I mean, on the particular tale on the opposite page, I can't click on it and get it open big enough to read the words uh -huh. to try and see if if it's a taco homage. I still I can't condone it, 
But if that's the mindset, if that's what this person was after, mm-hmm. I, I can at least, you know, uh, connect the thread and, 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 and have an explanation that starts to, to uh, at least, you know, provide a, a kind of a, a, a story here. But I, I, I can't understand it and I definitely don't condone it. You know it's who also is not innocent in this is Amanda May who found the book. If she rented that book, she must have had the same pieces of evidence that the man who or woman who put the talk on the book, which is like pages are kind of messed up. They're kind of ruffled somewhere in the middle. We don't know Amanda May's story. We don't know any info besides a mystery person put a taco in this really innocent book. I feel bad for everybody involved. It's a, it's a very interesting uh, uh, tale here because how is there not a smell associated with this? <laughs> it like looks a, fresh. A, a stale taco doesn't smell great. This is there's meat and cheese here. Those right. things go bad. I will say, doesn't it look um, pretty recently made to you though, House? Like none of the cheese is moldy. The tortilla looks like in really pristine form. It it really does. So whoever it is that that it, I, whether it was a mistake or intentional, whoever committed this taco crime, <laughs> um, it was discovered quite quickly after the person mm-hmm. returned the taco book and uh you know i i admire whoever it was that that uh had the idea of taking the picture i'm not sure if it was amanda may that actually took the picture uh-huh there's a lot unanswered here and i am afraid that we will never get the answers that we need house i think the butler did it i think amanda may did it. i think it was in her. the study with the okay yeah okay oh, oh oh so producer kyle uh thinks that it was a setup mm-hmm yeah, I think she did That's it. That's a theory? I think she did it. It, it. You're right. It's very recent. Unless it was like one of those McDonald's things, like, you know, how McDonald's will stay in the box for like a year or something. At least old McDonald's. Unless it was like a Taco Bell one or something that like, Ooh. you know, super preservative or something like that. I mean, I think she did it. This looks homemade to me, House. It looks homemade to me as well. I mean, because it's, it's more of a tortilla kind of shell than a, like an old El Paso shell. Nice. Grab the yellow box. <laughs> Okay, are you ready for your next one? Let's do it to it. Okay, this is somber, okay? Because I feel bad for these poor residents in this small English county. Okay, this is from Yahoo News. This is the title of the article. Unhappy meal. Residents angry that McDonald's is finally coming to England's smallest county. So in this market town of Oakham in the county of Rutland in the East Midlands. I don't know what any of those places are. We're in England, okay? We're talking about McDonald's. Uh, Construction for this McDonald's is going to go ahead to this tiny town of under 40,000 people. And all of the residents in this tiny town are really upset uh, because they don't want this big brand in there. They don't want franchises. It seems like very cute and quaint, a lot of mom and pop shop. Um, on these, like, streets. So it says more than 50 people have made official complaints about the plan, uh, with one submitting the comment, I'm proud that Rutland is the only county not to have the McDonald's. So, you know, this is big fast food coming into this tiny town. I feel bad. I'm not sure. I have mixed feelings on this. Okay, go ahead. Um, First, 50 people, 50 complainers out of 40,000 residents. (laughs) It feels like, you know, McDonald's is big enough these days that they don't have to force themselves into places where they're not wanted. So, so true. It feels like they and they also have the means to do some market testing to have a point of view, to develop a point of view as to whether or not the the, the branch is likely to be successful. Right. I mean, may, maybe I'm giving them uh, uh, 
too much credit in terms of, of the, the research they do before they go into a community. But I also just wonder now that the, the pictures um, that I, that I'm, I clicked open the story and it is picturesque. It's very lovely. It's got that old <laughs> um, kind of uh, sloping roof, uh, low profile um, brick stone homes. Mm-hmm. And if the McDonald's folks could see to it that their own structure, this brick and mortar that they're putting up was in alignment with the architectural profile here, then maybe they could get like half of those complaining people on board. If the complaint is we don't want this garish bright red and yellow, it's Mm -hmm. out of order with the, the palette, you know, the, the way that this town looks, our, our, our town color palette. I can kind of understand that. Well, I, I, McDonald's is try is more than anything else wants to be loved. I believe Liz Kelly. Wow, the way you speak about food is just really astounding to me every time. I don't know why I'm still shocked. You're absolutely right. They should do like really quaint, cute outside so it looks like all the other mom and pop shops. And then the lucky residents can still enjoy the McFlurries, the Big Macs, everything else. I think you're right. That's the perfect solution. It and and it can be you know, a welcome additional uh, community gathering kind of place. I mean, maybe Rutledge doesn't have enough. Rutland, pardon me. Sorry, Rutland. Uh, (laughs) Rutland County doesn't have like, you know, uh, 200 coffee places or other kind of places for convening. And maybe McDonald's could help fill that niche. I'm willing at this stage, Liz, to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though, you know, there's lots of reasons to be suspicious of McDonald's. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. Wow. I love ending on a high note. And before I tell you the next news article, I think you got some sponsors to talk about. Speaking of sponsors, you and I clearly vetted these sponsors. Let, let's let's take a break. All right, my hungry homies. Quick break from these unbelievable stories with Liz Kelly. I want to tell you about Zip Recruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. You only have to go one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there. They have powerful matching technology, and ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five Employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. That's 80% employers one day turnaround time. Let's get some jobs filled by Hungry Homies. Right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash C-A-R-B-S. ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Taste Buds, quick word about this brand new movie that I'm actually dying to go see in the theater. Super Size Me Too, Holy Chicken from Samuel Goldwyn Films. It's now available in select theaters or on digital today. Vulture says, expect jaw-dropping revelations about this new documentary 
from Morgan Spurlock. You know Morgan Spurlock. He's the director of Super Size Me. He's at it again in the 15 years since the OG Super Size Me. The fast food industry has undergone a makeover. Today, chain restaurants tout food that's healthy, organic, and natural. We're using air quotes around all those words. Filmmaker Morgan Spurlock explores this new reality with an approach that's even more immersive and subversive than that he used for his first film. He sets out to open up his own chicken franchise. We follow him every step of the way from raising poultry and conjuring recipes to designing the brand and scouting a location. Spurlock brings his disarming humor to uncover the truth and lies behind this multi-billion dollar industry. Don't miss Super Size Me 2, Holy Chicken, now playing in select theaters or get it on digital HD today. Rated PG-13 for brief, strong language. My food friends, taco night. It's a magical night. It's the night where everyone can eat happy. The night where conversations are engaging. The mood is light no matter how you feel it. Everyone has their perfect taco but what if your shell falls over your tortilla dumps all that greatness onto your plate complete devastation kids crying meal ruined game over why risk the chaos grab old el paso old el paso shells hold their own their standard stuff shells won't fall over their tortilla bowls are soft but won't spill your perfected taco they have even created mini tortilla bowls for kids' hands or appetizers. With Old El Paso, you can spend more time enjoying the food and company and less time scooping the meat and cheese back into the shell. And to top it off, their seasoning is the number one favorite in America. Food friends, you know I won't steer you wrong. When they're talking about these mini tortilla bowls for appetizers, this is right up the house of carbs angle. This is how we get down little bit of a delicious barbacoa that you can make right at home. Simple barbacoa recipe goes right inside one of these mini tortillas, two sprinkles of cheese, a dollop of hot sauce, and you are getting down in flavor town. Old El Paso, grab the yellow box. You want more taco ideas? Get yourself over to oldelpaso.com for recipes, products, and so much more. All right, Liz Kelly, we're back. Let's do some more stories. Okay. This one is more public outrage, House, okay? This comes from Fox News again. Popeye's customers slam new BYOB campaign. People want fire whoever came up with this idea. I don't know if you've seen this, House, but Popeye's has this new campaign to BYOB, which is bring your own bun and make their own sandwich. So I believe this is all in jest, but they had this whole campaign where they asked all these like actors posing as customers to bring in bread separately and they would just serve them the tenders and they would make their own sandwich. Nobody liked it. Everyone hated it, especially with all the big commotion about the chicken sandwich. I'm sure you've covered endlessly. feel like this is just a bad idea. Popeye's needs to lay low for a bit. Uh, I mean, whoever that made that last comment is 100% correct. Is that you? Is that your view? Who? Fire whoever came up with this idea? No. These are the people that are speaking. No, I'm saying whoever it is that said that Popeye's needs to lay low. That's right. Oh, yeah. Popeyes, that's mean. Mm-hmm. You need to lay low. 
Yeah, from Liz it's Kelly's mouth funny. to their ears. I know. So uh, this is dumb. And, uh, you know, there, there's a perfectly acceptable solution for resolving. Now, we did, as you anticipated, exhaustively cover <laughs> the Popeye's chicken sandwich phenomena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Chow and I uh, lamented that we were both out of the country, not in these United States of America, when the Popeye's chicken sandwich dropped. Oh, my God. And neither one of us were, were arrived back in these states because it was August. Uh, in time to sample one of these sandwiches. So I still haven't had one. Danny hasn't had one. We were fortunate. We got Sean Yu on the line. Sean Yu came on and gave us a, a, a breakdown of what he went through. He stood in line. <laughs> he walked in 90-degree heat. I mean, God bless Sean Yu. He he had the sandwich. We did some rankings. Mm-hmm. You know, we did some preliminary uh, taste testing and, and, and ranking of this thing. Um, but, you know, part of the story around this Popeye's chicken sandwich is the unexpected uh, uh, customer demand, the unexpected, you know, uh, interest in this thing, the terrific moment that they enjoyed on social media mm-hmm. and then in, in mainstream media at that creating a phenomena. They weren't prepared to meet consumer demand, either in terms of serving, you know, preparing enough of the uh, the the ingredients to build these sandwiches, that is, you know, having enough buns, having enough of the chicken breasts that they serve, and the ingredients. Nor did they prepare their franchisees, the good the good folks working at the Popeyes restaurants, with the onslaught. There was nothing um, in terms of of uh, anticipatory. You know, we might need to extend hours. We might need right. to think about work shifts. And there were people in those first couple weeks when this phenomenon really got going. Uh, that were, you know, capturing the bad experiences that the people inside of Popeye's, they were making thousands of sandwiches for the hungry homies chicken sandwich demand. So that's not very clever or cute. And the thing to do, Popeye's, is exactly what Liz Kelly told you to do. Lay low. You've had your moment. Come back with a triumphant return. Don't get cute on us now, Popeye's. There's (laughs) no reason to be cute about it. Come back when the sandwich is ready. True. Popeye's is like that star that burns too bright. It exploded. It's the Britney Spears of fast food. It just went too hard, too fast. Now it needs to lay low a couple years like Britney did. Regrow her hair. Come back with like a new career, second coming of Popeye's. Well, I don't want them to wait two years, though. I, I mean, I, I understand they might be ready to drop these things again sometime in October. That feels like the right time frame to me. I don't know if they're me. ready. Don't, wanna, don't make me wait two years. <laughs> I don't know if they're ready for that. Okay, so you're also out on BYOB, Bring Your Own Bun. It's the, it's not a funny or clever ploy. <laughs> it wasn't a way to, to continue, uh, you know, your Popeye's buzz. Just chill F out. The buzz will be back when the sandwich is back. True, you and know. And then you can enjoy all of your uh, accolades again, Popeyes. You know it's bad when Joe House doesn't think something is funny or entertaining because you're like such a joyous man that the fact that you're annoyed <laughs> with Popeyes is really bad news for Popeyes. Well, you know what I don't joke about, Liz <laughs> Kelly. It's it's the availability of a chicken sandwich. That it's is true. not a laughing matter. It's true. Okay, I got another one for you. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. This is more like a PSA, really. It says, Heinz finally solves ketchup's slow pour predicament. Okay, so everyone knows in those glass bottles for Heinz ketchup, doesn't come out, and then it comes out all at once. You got way too much ketchup. It's like ruined a burger or french fries, whatever. But 
Heinz Canada announced the new bottle design that shows fans exactly how to hold it. So apparently holding the bottle at a 45 degree angle puts it at the perfect pouring position. And then when held like that, the ketchup should easily slide out of the bottle without any tapping on the side, shaking or anything else, no sticking the knife in there. Apparently this is like the perfect solution to the ketchup problem. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. Do you have I this? don't hate this. Now, I want to get to the bottom of something. Uh, in the first place, they solved this by, by, by way of the squeeze bottle. So Heinz, uh, for, for all of the world, resolved the great ketchup, <laughs> you know, uh, dilemma mm-hmm. by producing a bottle that lets you have exactly the amount that you want in exactly the time frame, the speedy time frame in which uh, a taste bud might demand it. But let me go in a slightly different direction here, Liz Kelly. And I'm, I want your experience uh, with this as well. Over the years, I have come to appreciate the unique and somewhat out of ordinary, and I'll call it extraordinary in that way, experience of getting ketchup out of a traditional <laughs> Heinz ketchup bottle because it really is is it makes you put on the brakes with your dining (laughs) experience and over the years i have come to really love places establishments when i walk in and see on the table a heinz ketchup bottle Mm -hmm. it it gives to me both a kind of sentimentality but also a stamp of authenticity that this place cares that in the first place, it's going to serve Heinz, which is, to me, uh, uh, the preeminent ketchup. I love all the innovations by all the ketchup manufacturers out there these days. The spicy ketchup folks, the sriracha ketchup <laughs> folks, the, uh, you know, Sir Kensington's makes a terrific ketchup. So don't don't let me act like, uh, you know, there, there aren't other great ketchups out there. But I grew up with Heinz and... I love the rite of passage. I now look back at it as as a cherished rite of passage, trying to get ketchup out of that thing in the right quantity and at a speed. It really does help build the anticipation (laughs) of whatever meal this delicious ketchup is going to go on to. And there are a lot of ways, a lot of creative ways over the years, folks have come to solve that dilemma. Like you learn pretty early on, if there's any danger whatsoever of smacking the bottom of a full ketchup bottle and a quarter of the contents dumping onto your food item. Mm-hmm. Well, you can you can do that same thing to get the ketchup out. Just do it to the side. And then you have some ketchup that you can apply to your sandwich or to your French fries or whatever your food item may be in the amount that you want. And you have a nice little reservoir to the side there, <laughs> a little built up uh, ketchup pool available to, at your discretion. And I think this is like a something... You know, over life, like I haven't introduced my own son to this because we have squeeze bottles, but he's nine years old. It's time for him to get a a Heinz ketchup bottle in hand and learn how to pour that sucker right. What what was your experience with the Heinz ketchup bottle, Liz Kelly? Uh, My experience with the Heinz ketchup bottle is half my life was glass and then half of it I got so used to the squeeze. But I will say I hate the squeeze Heinz ketchup bottle so much because it got you got all the like gross residue all over that plastic grew up with two younger brothers so maybe that was more their fault than the Heinz ketchup fault but it felt like that 
thing was constantly disgusting with like weeks old ketchup. I love the bottle. Find it in old diners, which is now just like an archaic, nice thing to do. Nice place to go and relax. I'm with you, although I will say this feels like a healthy middle ground because you got to keep it in the glass bottle. But now people, the public, know how to do it, House. We can't all be like you. Well, it's trial and error. Producer Kyle, I, I, I know that you're barely 18 years old. Jesus. Did you have the Heinz ketchup bottle in, in your life? Yeah, of course. And I thought we had already discovered this because we I knew that you had to hold it on an angle. But I also was told that you hit the 57 on the bottle what? where there's a on, on the neck of the bottle. There's a 57 and there's also one on the um like on the, the label because I think it's like 57. There's a 50, something mm-hmm. with Heinz is 57, and that's where you hit it. That's what I was told. And I mean, you know, like everything else, it works most times, also sometimes doesn't work. But I thought we had already discovered this. Did you ever hear about like hitting the, hitting the 57? That's where you got to tap it? Well, this is what I'm talking about. This is the beauty of, of everybody having their own unique experience and their <laughs> own unique way of solving this problem. Of course, I heard of this. In fact, at one point in my life, I was ad, uh, administering a gentle karate chop to the 57. <laughs> Right. I would take the bottle and and bring the bottle down and bring my chop up and the chop would hit the 57 perfectly and then at an angle. And sometimes, you know, you could get it out in the quantities you want. I also resorted to, the, you know, you smack the bottom. Oh, you want you want out, game, uh, a, a nice shot out, smack dangerous. the bottom. And, and honestly, let me tell you this, uh, both of you guys, that works in a lot of walks of life. I'm just, I'll just leave it at that. Smack the bottom works in a whole variety of scenarios and whatnot. Oh but for the Heinz ketchup bottle, that's a, that was the success. House. Okay, we're moving yes. on. We only got two more news stories, okay? And I'm saving the best for last, FYI. So you got to save your energy and all your thoughts for like the last one. But hey. before then. Oh, come on. Come okay. on, Liz Kelly. You know how we do it. I got it in, in reservoir. Speaking of re- ketchup reservoirs, I got the energy reservoirs when it comes to House of Carbs. <laughs> Never. For days. Never in doubt. Okay, next one. A tourist was charged over $68,000 for, quote, the most expensive beer in history. So as an Australian man visiting England, says there is now a massive hole in his finances after he was wrongfully charged $68,000 for a single beer during a recent outing to a bar in Manchester. So apparently this beer should have cost him $675, okay? This is according to BBC, some hard-hitting news. But things quickly took a turn for the worse. So then he was charged this amount, $68,000. He did not realize he signed the bill, walked out of there, didn't realize until days later, and then had to solve these issues. Hold up, hold up, hold up. We might have to hit the brakes here on this. Who has a credit card that allows them, <laughs> allows anybody to run $70,000 on it? How's you talking to me and Kyle? We have no idea. This is not in our realm of possibility. I, well, I got one and it's maxed I mean, out. I, we can't <laughs> use it for anything. It, I, I doubt the Podfather has, has a card. And we know, I mean, the, you know, the the the. La, la, the life that the podfather leads, like <laughs> I'm trying to think of the richest person that I know. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that that anybody. Well, I mean, you know, I I do bump into some some people with some some means, but seventy thousand dollars. Like, here's my card. Just go ahead and run it, mm-hmm. and then and then it's a oh seventy thousand dollars. Sure, why not? Like, I, I I'm I'd like to know more about this this uh, the the unwitting. Uh, victim here. Yes. How, how did this person? 
Well, how is he able to front a card that had $70,000 on it? Okay, so the story gets worse. House, it says, he revealed that he, quote, didn't have his reading glasses on when the bartender presented him with the receipt. This was an IPA, by the way. This isn't like gold-flecked beer. This is just a regular old IPA. And he said he didn't think twice when the employee, quote, had some problems ringing up the transaction. Then he was overcome with a sixth sense that something had gone wrong. He was dazed to learn that he had been wrongfully charged the incredible sum for the drink in an apparent accident. So this is two days later that all this unfolded. Two days, House. Uh, well, this it feels like there's been a lot of failures here. <laughs> First of all, I, I mean, I'm a grown ass man with a with a mortgage and and you know obli- obligations. Mm-hmm. I don't often go a full forty eight hours with checking in on the bank account just to <laughs> just to see how how fortunes are rising and fortunes are falling. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't go a, a real extended period of time without checking in just to make sure everything. You know, the trains are hitting the stations on time. Yeah, you just so that, had something happen, right, House? <laughs> I'm not at liberty to discuss that any further. <laughs> okay. it, the outcome is now on uh, what, what Nephew Kyle was referring to. I was on uh, the Bill Simmons podcast Sunday night with Cousin Sal, invited myself to some guessing the lines, and then specifically invited myself on to Parent Corner. And I shared a story about my son uh, and his particular aptitude with the iPad and a game, oh, yeah, the in-app that. purchases on a particular game. <laughs> and uh, he's made uh, several hundred dollars worth of purchases. <laughs> and I'm in the middle of working this out with Apple. Right now, it's an unsatisfactory conclusion. <laughs> but I did. It, it was brought to my attention by one particular way out of order uh, charge that showed up <laughs> that hit the bank account uh, with, with this uh, Apple purchase on it. But the other thing, I just want to go back to this gentleman. How did his bank not call him? How did nobody in that whole financial chain call to anybody's attention? Like, how is it that the the restaurant's own uh, financial, financial institution didn't call to their attention that they were running a $70,000 charge? I can't imagine that the place that serves beer gets a lot of $70,000 days, right? Right. Right. I also will point out, I think you will not be shocked to learn that it was actually this man's wife that called him and informed him about this (laughs) transaction. And to make it worse, a $1,700 transaction charge was tacked on to that receipt. So this man was screwed in multiple ways. He says he has not gotten it refunded with Visa yet, uh, and it will likely take nine business days to process. This poor man. I I would die in nine with like that amount of hole in my bank account. Well, that's th- this is the thing that does drive me absolutely apoplectic. Anytime you're on the wrong side of a financial transaction where the wrong amount was taken or you were double charged or something like that, this idea that they hold on to your money for three to five business days before <laughs> the refund, this is we need some some genuine consumer protection in this country. It didn't take you three to five business days to grab that money. <laughs> that's right. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> So why do I have to wait? Why am I? It's a it's a float. Why am I lending you this money for you and your institution to go earn whatever interest you're going to earn by having your account? That's not standard practice. It's not fair. Just put the money back. You took the money. Put it back. Oh my God. Okay. That that is the perfect way to end that story. And I hope you stay as fired up for the next one I'm about to say, because I feel just as 
infuriated with this next story as you do about this tourist being charged all that money. Okay, this is the last story. All right, let's story. hear it. Okay. Australian vegan takes neighbors to court because she doesn't like the smell of fish being barbecued. So that's like, fine. That is a headline is fine. Then you click into the article. It says, this Perth vegan has taken her neighbors all the way up to the Supreme Court, demanding they stop smoking, bouncing balls, and even cooking barbecues in the backyard. She says, they put it there so I smell the fish. All I can smell is fish. I can't enjoy my backyard. I can't go out there. So this is upsetting because she's a vegan. These poor people obviously have a family if they're bouncing balls and playing basketball and shit like that. Like, they're just trying to enjoy a nice meal outside. And this woman has taken them to the Supreme Court in Australia. Well, I have a different word for this woman. Uh... (laughs) besides vegan (laughs) and you may think that I'm prepared to be unkind I'm actually not I think this lady is just regular old crazy because all of what you just listed there Liz that's anti-social behavior Mm -hmm. that's a person who, who who gives the appearance of not wanting to live with neighbors that's a person who would prefer to live in a place where they didn't have any contact with other human beings. And you know what? It the, the world is a great big place. If you don't like the smell of something or the way something looks or the sound of something, and all of that is because of somebody that lives in your community, the great thing about the freedom that, that the folks, the good folks in Australia enjoy is that lady can vote with her feet. She can take her, all of her grievances and put them in a suitcase and walk the F out. I, so I'm not I sure agree. what the, I, we need, I, I need to know more about what the legal underpinning is right. in Australia that gives rise to the idea that you can, you know, affect your, your, cause it doesn't sound to me like there's any crimes being committed. Now we live here in the, in the beautiful United States of America There are lots of homeowners associations where people agree to live by the bylaws because there's certain, you know, you you can collaborate in a cooperative kind of way. All these co-ops and so forth that have rules and bylaws. A community can come together and say, we are all willing to live under this kind of set of rules because of what we particularly want out of our shared living experience. But it doesn't sound like there's anything about this story that uh, these folks, her neighbors, are doing that's that's out of order. She should go move into the vegan co-op <laughs> or the the vegan uh, uh, homeowner association, and then she can have whatever complaints she wants to have about you know the smell of zucchini or whatever, but not have you know people who have kids and bouncing balls and people that are, that are cooking a barbecue and 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 you know try and alter the way those people see the world. What am I missing here, Liz Kelly? Agreed. You are not missing anything. She seems to be um, maybe unwell. She says that also the sound of the children playing (laughs) has been devastating to her. She says it's been turmoil. It's been unrest. I haven't been able to sleep. So I think some kind of separate space for this woman is needed, not in this what sounds like a very lovely community in Perth. There's some nice tree houses in yeah. Australia you can move into <laughs> yeah. in the woods. That's right. Climb up high. Get get yourself a vantage <laughs> point. I, I want, I'm, I'm curious to know what the particular legal issue is, though, 
Because this sounds to me like the kind of stuff that should get dismissed in small claims court. You can't, you know, uh, live in a, a community and try and dictate the 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 basic human behavior of your neighbors. I mean, you know, we, we, we all the social contract is that we all try and not really mess with each other too much. We all understand basically how to how to do that. But uh, like these folks who have the kids, like they obviously moved into that community with their kids mm-hmm. with an idea that their kids could go ahead and be kids. This lady doesn't want these kids to be kids. And the words that you just used, turmoil, <laughs> anguish, like you just said it uh, a minute ago. This is an unwell person mm-hmm. who, who who thinks that about about the behavior of, of children. I mean, that's I I I, I can't uh, uh, offer her any sympathy. I can't be gracious to this uh, crazy vegan. I'm sorry. Agreed. I think the takeaway from my segment on this House of Carbs episode is children can and maybe should have chocolate milk and they should be able to play outside with their basketballs and not be afraid of some crazy ass neighbor that's next door. We want the children to be happy house. Let the children live. <laughs> Liz Kelly, I think we've done it. Those were unbelievable stories. You are welcome any times and all times. And I look forward to what's coming down the pike next in terms of potential sponsorships for House Ooh, Cars. Thanks, House. Thanks, Liz Kelly. There we go, my hungry homies, my taste buds. Another house of carbs in your belly for your belly enjoyment and belly sourcing. We're off next week, but we shall be coming back. I mentioned Calvin Alexander from Thrillist. He and I are going to sit down face-to-face and chop it up about his new book, Burn the Ice. That is coming down the pike. We also have a lot of other very delicious guests lined up. You're going to enjoy the fall that we have planned for you. Uh, It's time to start eating heavy again, my food friends. Until next time, let's stay hungry out there. (laughs) 